Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Akeem Gardner. He is co-founder and CEO of Atlas 365. They're doing some really interesting work. I'm going to let him kind of give the background and talk about their technology and the IP they've developed. They're based out of Canada, which is um, obviously an interesting market to be in these days. Uh, one of the first countries, or at least first country in North America, to go federally uh, legal on adult use side of things. So I'm excited to sort of see how that's how that's developing, how businesses are taking advantage of that and going uh, building their businesses. So with that. Akeem, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Bruce. I really, I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, so um, why don't we do a little bit of background first, get to mm-hmm. know you a little bit about you and then how you kind of got around to getting into the cannabis space, and then we'll talk about the work that you're doing and, and how you're approaching the cannabis market. So what's the backstory? Tell us about yourself professionally. How do you get into this? How did I get into this? So I got into this completely by chance. I'll say that right at the beginning, right? <laughs> and like when I say by chance, I, actually, I guess I should say I'm a product of circumstance. That's actually the better way of putting it. Yeah, I played um, varsity basketball at the University of Ottawa 
up here in Canada in a, a, in a day and age where a few of our counterparts in Toronto were starting to go down south and make, uh, play Division One basketball, and some of them even make, make the NBA. So unfortunately, I stopped growing at 6'5". I was a forward, so um, I was over at, yeah. I, unfortunately, I at 6'5", that just didn't cut I it, I guess. <laughs> right, I didn't cut it, right? <laughs> so I went over to University of Ottawa. I played a couple years of basketball there and from University of Ottawa I came back I coached the one year and then I was like I don't think I want to coach but maybe something like a general manager position something that incorporates like putting teams together putting talent together so when I was doing some research I saw that a lot of the general managers in the NBA they had law degrees so I went over to law school in the United Kingdom in 2015 I graduated in 2017 so when I came back to Canada in 2017, there was a lot of buzz about the legalization of cannabis. A lot of the Canadian licensed producers, they were public. They were raising a lot of money. There was this green gold rush because everyone was expecting it to be legalized in on Canada's day of 2018. Um, instead, we became legal in October of 2018. Mm-hmm. So my big question for for myself was, I have an out-of-country law degree. How can I differentiate myself in the soon-to-be legal world that I'm trying to enter into as I go from taking the transition or the accreditation from law degree to actual lawyer? Mm-hmm. And what I remembered was a couple of things. First was when I was an athlete at University of Ottawa, I used to have knee problems and pain problems, and I used to be taking ibuprofenes, one, two, three, four ibuprofenes a day, depending on if we had one practice or two practice a day. Yeah, so if it was one practice a day, I would come into my trainer and say, hey, two ibuprofenes. And then that, I would take it as she's wrapping my legs, taping my ankles, and then go out and play. If we had two a days, then it's four ibuprofenes in that same day. If it's shoot around and then game, you know, we're just popping pills because we want to play. And I'm a basketball player. I'm not even a football player or a hockey yeah. player, right? So the impact that we take is a little bit different on our bodies. In 2017, one of the things that I knew and I'd always had my mind on was medical cannabis for the treatment of pain and inflammation for athletes. Funny enough, when I talk about what we're doing now, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see that well, this comes full circle. But because I knew that athletes were using marijuana recreationally and medicinally, they were using it to manage their pain. I was saying that, okay, in this new legal world that we're about to have in Canada and this advantage that the Canadian government has given us in the world of sports and entertainment, maybe me and my co-founder, best friend, Randy Ose, who had a sports management company, we could be the first to get currently playing athlete an endorsement deal talking about the positives of medicinal marijuana, of CBD, of responsible use, not advocating for recreational use, right? But for some of the things like getting us off pills, off opioids, so on and so forth. And I thought that because I knew that, again, I was just a university athlete at University of Ottawa and how much of those medicines I was taking. We don't even have to think about what's going on with the professional athlete, the guy who's pushing his body to the limits every single day, the Olympic athlete, what they're being recommended or what they have to take for pain management and so on and so forth. So... I went on into the world. I started, Randy was like, Akeem, you can't do it under Rose Management, his firm, because we might get in trouble. The NBA might think that we're trying to corrupt the athletes or whatever the case yeah. may be. So I'm like, all right, we'll start a new company. I'll do it. And because I, we don't have any name or any brand, the NBA won't know what's going on. That was my thesis, right? Or my hypothesis, I should say. 
So I started calling all these companies, all these Canadian licensed producers under the name of Atlas 365, and I would say, hey, I have Canadian, I have not Canadian, well, yeah, and Canadian professional mm-hmm. athletes that want to get involved in endorsing cannabis products, medicinal products, talking about responsible use, so on and so forth. And to no surprise, all the major Canadian LPs at that time, they sent their marketing officers, their marketing directors, the people responsible for the funds to come have a conversation with me. And that, in that process, I started to learn a lot about what was going on in Canadian cannabis. Fast forward, must have been, what, nine months into doing discovery, into learning about the industry, to learning about the difference between marijuana and hemp. Um, ultimately we decided to go the hemp route not the marijuana route because Mm -hmm. once i learned that hemp had no thc in it that hemp was already being eaten and um, ingested as a part of our healthy diet by not only adults but children alike like families and mothers feel safe giving children their hemp milk because of it's not dairy milk because it's high in protein and omega-3 6 9 so on and so forth i was like this is the way to go Hemp is very diverse. It has a lot of environmental benefits. The MBA is not going to say no to hemp. That was my, again, my other hypothesis, whereas I know they would say no to marijuana because there's still that gray area between medical and and recreational, and Mm -hmm. we don't want to be seen um, promoting that, right? So I was like, hemp might be our, our gateway into the league. I was looking at all of this like prohibition in the 1930s, right? Or 1920, 1930s, we had prohibition yep. with alcohol. Fast forward to 2020, you see that bear companies have sponsors with these major sponsorships with these major leagues. So my, in my brain, I'm like, it's just a matter of time before marijuana makes it to the major leagues. But hemp might be the gateway that gets us there because it's safe. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I've seen a lot of companies that have kind of used hemp as the, the on-ramp to cannabis. Yeah, It's the gateway. And we fell in love with it because of all the extra things that we can do with, do with hemp. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But one day, I think it was one day, I was walking my dogs. And I go for these walks with my dogs. With my dog Sky at night. And on nice days, we like we look at the stars. We just go and I leave my phone at home. And I just think. And it just hit me. I'm like, why am I trying to sell our, the athletes or the relationships that we have, our network, to some of these licensed producers that are trying to shoot out press releases to raise their stock price to make them money versus if we are able to build something ourselves as at the 365 we get to keep our athletes as our value proposition right Mm -hmm. we're the ones who can make the hemp t-shirt and get player a to wear it at the beginning of their game then we get the photo shoot the instagram post and then we get the benefit of that relationship right if we can do the hemp protein smoothie or the recovery product and get athlete b to use it or university of Ottawa or whatever the case may be you know what i mean we get the benefit of that instead of just trying to be a middleman for another company and that's when my perspective sort of switched and said okay i can either go down my law school and continue to write the bar and article and so on and so forth i can go two feet in on this journey and try to build something myself and i had some time i had a family and support system that believed in me i was like hey mom i have some extra money here i don't know how this is going to turn out but i think i can make it work i think i could figure it out and my mom was seeing some of the traction that we were having and how much fun and how excited and passionate i was about making this happen and that's how we went all the way from 
consulting-ish company where I didn't even think I was going to do this full-time. I just wanted to do it to be the first to make this kind of deal happen so I could land myself at one of the big law firms to Mm -hmm. know Atlas 365 is going to become my full-time. This is going to become what I'm go two feet in on over the next however long it takes to make this happen. But we're going to build our own products. We're going to leverage our own relationships. This is going to become our value proposition. This is going to become my company. Yeah, it's interesting. And I find everyone has kind of a you know, a story, <laughs> kind of a journey in cannabis. So, and I guess, what have you learned about yourself along the way? I mean, I, you know, kind of, there's, there's a bunch of career shift things here. There's a focus shift. I mean, you're now kind of in a potential high growth situation. I guess, where have you had to kind of pivot your own mindset and skills and focus as these things have shifted around on you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the interesting things and one of the best things I think that I've learned, right? Very, very thankful for the way how I was raised as a student athlete my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. I always played basketball or football or soccer or some sort of sport. My mom made sure me and my sisters were always in some sort of sport, even martial arts. So we had always had a level of discipline, right? But she always made sure that we did our schoolwork as well, right? So we had to manage time. We had to manage um, um, homework, deadlines, so on and so forth. And we had to learn how to manage failure. We had to learn how to make mistakes, right? No sport or no basketball player shoots 100% every game. When you get injured in sport, you lose games, you you face adversity. And the biggest thing that I've learned in my years of adulthood and my years of being a CEO is that this is life. Things are going to happen. It's not about what happens to you. It's how you bounce back for it. Mm. bounce back from it and I'm so thankful for my experience as an athlete because now when I make mistakes it's infuriating for people who deal with me because something will happen and I'll sort of brush it off and go on to what's the solution what's next how do we make this right where some people want to focus on the mistake and be like no you don't realize look what we did so on and so forth and me I'm like all right, we made a mistake, but I can't dwell on that. It's like a basketball court. Like Kobe Bryant, he shoots a shot, he misses. Burn back, let's get a stop on defense. My next shot's going in type of thing. And it's that sort of mentality that I'm realizing how important that mentality is. We identified in the in um, our work life, in building my work relationships, the people who have that sort of attitude versus the people who are scared to take risks, who are scared to do things because they're uncertain of the outcome. Um, that's really benefiting me as a young founder because over the past three years, we've had to pivot time and time after again in March of 2020. The world forced all of us to pivot, right? And some people don't handle these pressures very well. But fortunately, because of the experiences that we've had growing up and primarily the experience and all the lessons that we've learned in sport has helped prepare us for this world. I still get down on myself. Sometimes you take things hard, right? But you know that Tomorrow's going to be another day. You got to get up, put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants, <laughs> and you got to get at it. You got to keep on pushing forward until you ultimately lose the game or you win the championship. It's your yeah. choice. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that you can't necessarily control the outcome of the game, but you can control how you play. Yeah. Right? And you just need to focus on how you play and, and the results will come. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, I mean, I, having been an athlete in you know many different sports, I was a college rower and then did triathlon mm-hmm. and, uh, and everything. And, so, and I often find kind of learnings and mostly around mindset and kind of mental fortitude and stuff that, is, that have applied. I've been able to apply in different ways and discipline. I think mm-hmm. a lot of athletes appreciate the power of discipline and appreciate the work that goes into discipline. 
discipline and mm-hmm. kind of that delayed gratification or, or knowing that by continuing to do that on a regular basis, eventually results will come. So mm-hmm. you know, these are mm-hmm. good, good takeaways. Mm-hmm. I remember two things that, that I, that I take from my college days. Cause there was, um, we, I went to university of Ottawa. So ac- across the, um, St. River in Ottawa, there's another school, Carleton university. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're the best. Well, I, one of I the used best. to race against them in crew. So, oh, you did? <laughs> okay, well. so you know them? okay, good, good, good. Because Carleton for basketball, they have one of the best dynasties in basketball that you've never, that a lot of people have never heard heard of because they just kick everyone's butts every year in, in, in basketball and their coach at the time I don't think he's their coach anymore his name is Dave Smart I remember one time I saw him say uh, a quote and it stuck with me the reporter asked him like Dave how do you guys sustain this level of excellence how do you guys win every year and he was like our goal isn't to win a championship every year our goal is to win every game we play if we're the hardest working team every game we play every time we step on the court eventually we're going to achieve our ultimate goal of winning the championship so if we take this step by step and we we'll try to win every game if we try to gain an inch every day in business eventually i'm going to get to what my goal is for our organization and we're going to be able to raise a series a continue to b c d go public and we're going to have that growth that we expect but it starts by winning inch by inch every single day and it's those sort of like mentalities or like the kobe bryant mentality of i don't care every shot's going in even if i miss okay it's something that i did wrong let me adjust it next time it's going in these are the lessons that stay with us from an athlete into an entrepreneur that um, are really, really allowing me to stay resilient, stay focused, try to stay disciplined. Again, we're not perfect. It's not like we don't have off days, but these are what we try to come back to, to help push us forward into success and ultimately achieve our ultimate goal. Yeah, no, they're good. Those are great. I, I think everyone in cannabis these days is, has, has to evolve very quickly. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, the business mm-hmm. is evolving quickly, the market's evolving quickly. And so, you know, if, you, if you're approaching your sort of leadership position the same way today as you were six months ago, you're probably not doing as well, right? Because exactly. if you're not making those changes, not making those adjustments, it's, mm-hmm. then, then then something's not responding right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the business today. So you're you're in the hemp side of things. You how I guess what are the services that you're focused on? What is mm-hmm. the work that you're doing? Give us a little more detail on kind of how you're positioning yourself. What is it that you're what what role do you want to play in the mm-hmm. kind of hemp cannabis uh, the, the the hemp side of the cannabis mm-hmm. industry? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So in hemp is very interesting. Um, hemp is a very beautiful plant. It has a very beautiful supply chain, and you know they say. Hemp, the hemp plant can have over 50,000 commercial uses, right? Mm-hmm. I like to say is that's like 50,000 before we add modern technology to it. Like we're just <laughs> on the cusp of finding out what this plant really, really can do and how it can really help us have an environmental impact and economic impact in supply chains and communities. Also, uh, environmental, economic, a societal impact as well, right? This plant is really, really amazing. And because it's really amazing, when we sort of started again, me as a 2017, when I started first time entrepreneur, first time doing it on my own, I had never been involved in a hemp or cannabis industry formally, right? I had to figure out how I was going to make a way for ourselves. So when I started, the first thing that stood out to me was the fact that you can build with it, right? Making hemp out of building materials out of the hemp herd, Um, sustainable building materials, carbon neutral buildings, so on and so forth. And this is where we spent a lot of our first two years learning about how do we develop the hemp supply chain so that we can sustain the next generation of building materials. I live in Ontario, Canada, Toronto, Ontario, or the GTA in Toronto, Ontario. 
most of the hemp grown in Canada, though, is grown in the prairie provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. In Ontario, we have a very fragmented hemp supply chain. There's some farmers on smaller acreages of farms that have tried time and time again to develop the hemp supply chain, but for various different reasons, it's never worked out in Ontario. Hemp, different than marijuana, has been legal in Canada since 1998, so we have a lot of experience with hemp up in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, Canada, I think last year, was the third largest exporter of hemp products in the world. I think that's probably going to change because China, I think, was one or two, and now with COVID and trade and so on and so forth, a lot of people are coming back to hemp Canadian grain products. So we have a lot of experience in this. Because it's been legal for so long, we have some companies that have, I guess, cutting-edge technology, I guess, if you will, um, when it comes to the hemp building materials. So this is where I wanted to be of, of that, knowing the sustainable development goals, knowing that we want to reduce carbon emissions um, and keep them under 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2030, that construction and the new way of building was going to have a really, really big impact there. And if we could build something with hemp, if we can bring the hemp supply chain together to be able to sustain um, a steady supply of herd that would be decorticated, manufactured into building materials, then we would have something here in Ontario. Especially because in Ontario, we're a lot closer to the market than the prairie provinces that grow most of the hemp. Yeah. Now, my main problem over the last two years is, again, I told you about my background. I come from the world of sports. I come from the world of sports marketing. I want to get someone an endorsement deal, right? Mm -hmm. And then I went to law school. Nothing in that says builder. Nothing in that says construction <laughs> like, or manufacturer. Yeah. So even though I was going out and I was learning how to pitch, I was learning how to communicate with investors, I was learning how to network, and people would say, oh, he's bright, he has a smart idea here, so on and so forth, I was never able to prove execution. It's not like I built a demonstration product. I would point to demonstration products all around the world and say, this is what we can do here. But I had nothing that showed that I could be the one or Atlas 365 could be the catalyst to bring this here. We were, um, with that being said, some of the work that we were doing is, um, again, I had no clue about the hemp industry and no clue about what I was doing when I started. So what was I crazy enough to do? Go <laughs> rent 60 acres and go figure out how to do it myself. Uh, me and my friends, we went into the farm and we planted the seeds. We learned that planting the hemp isn't hard, right? My initial thing was, how hard can this be? I played sports my whole life. I worked <laughs> on my hands and feet my whole life. This can't be that, that hard. Little did I know. The problem is not getting it into the ground, it's getting it out of the ground. How do you yeah, exactly. harvest the all those plants at the end of the year and in year one of what we were doing when i didn't have any equipment i had no harvesters we were forced to do it with a four by four some gar um some garden trimmers where we would wow. go out and cut the top one third of the plant off throw it in the four by four drive it back to the barn hang it up and then we had to take the stuff that were hanged up put it into boxes like it was a crazy first year what it did is it showed the industry it showed the market, it showed the other Ontario farmers that we were willing to work hard, right, to mm -hmm. make this happen. That gave us a lot of goodwill. That built us a lot of relationships from government officials, people at OMAFRA. Um, that's the Ontario Ministry of Food and Agriculture. They took notice of what we were doing and they kept us in our mind so that when, because they always knew how I thought, they knew that I wanted to push things forward. They knew that I was a little bit, I don't know if it's crazy or smart or idealistic <laughs> or whatever the word is. Fine line. <laughs> yeah. It's a fine line, right? They were like, um, we're going to keep a keen in mind. So fast forward until, I guess you can say, 
say this year at the top of March when COVID hit, we were still trying to push forward the hemp supply chain. And our main pitch for our company was that we were going to be the company to develop the supply chain and develop it into multiple different um, segments sustainably. We were going to have a sustainable building side. We were going to have a hemp grain side. We were still going to be able to collect the flower, the leaves, the bud for anyone who wanted to extract any uh, cannabinoids. And we would also have fiber that we got from the hemp plant that we would be able to sell wholesale. So we were still selling this big picture of the hemp supply chain. But when COVID hit, what we realized is that we had to look within that supply chain to focus on one value add proposition, the proposition that we think that would differentiate us between the rest of the world. And what we found is that that came from a relationship with the Canadian university that we had been developing that went and patented um, some novel technology that has to do with the hemp plant that some novel technology that has to do with the hemp plant that would allow us to bring a novel anti-inflammatory or a novel hemp therapeutic to market. Mm-hmm. And what we were able to do when COVID hit, it sort of kicked those researchers out of the lab as it did kick us out of the farm, if you will, and forced us to sit down at the table, figure out, okay, we sort of both need each other right now. Let's forget everything else that's around us. Let's forget all the other noise. And let's see how do we come together and form a partnership that would allow us as Atlas the ability to go out and raise funding to back this initiative so that it could be a catalyst to not only for the novel hemp therapeutic and Atlas 365, but the entire Ontario hemp supply chain. And it will allow the university the ability to do the work that they needed to do in in the labs with the research that they needed to prove the claims of this novel anti-inflammatory product that we want to bring to market. We were able to come together through from March until, I guess it was June of 2020, a lot of negotiations, a lot of work with um, lawyers and so on and so forth. But we were able to acquire that patent that they had filed. And now we are in the process of shifting our focus from a full hemp supply chain organization to an organization that specifically focuses on growing hemp for the sole purpose of producing our novel anti-inflammatory, producing products or selling our ingredient to other companies that would use this novel hemp extract as a solution, much like you would use your CBD oil or your CBD isolate for a topical or an edible or so on and so forth. We think the area of the plant that we've identified, um, having being rich in these anti-inflammatory properties, is going to be the next big thing or our big thing to set us apart from all the, all the other organizations as an ingredient brand or as an ingredient product for the health and wellness space. And where do you see these? Where do you see the ingredient sort of being most applicable? I mean, is this on sort of general population? Is this with athletes? Is this? I mean, where where do you think the segments are that are going to be most interested in the the particular extract ingredient that you're creating? Yeah. So, so I'm going to say we're going to call the ingredient Canerda, right? Okay. This is our brand name for it, right? It's named after Sumerian god. Sumerian god Ninurta, he was the god of agriculture, war, agriculture, war, and a couple of other things. Um, We picked this name, we put the cat in front of it for cannabis, and we're saying Mm -hmm. that um, our products are going to be able to fight or stop inflammation at its source. This is our big selling point. Mm-hmm. We think this is going to be able to be, um, Canerda is going to be used as an ingredient in a variety of different products for general health and wellness, for the middle-aged to senior-aged person who deals with chronic pain and acute inflammation. 
well, actually, I shouldn't say pain right now, but who deals with chronic and acute inflammation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the pain word is subjective, right? So we'll, yeah. well, let's just stick to inflammation. But with that being said, remember when I said at the start of my journey, I knew that athletes were using CBD and medical marijuana to help them deal with their inflammation. We mm-hmm. think that this new value value add and the competitive advantage that we have with Kernerda is going to allow athletes to feel safe with interacting with this specific part of the plant when it comes to dealing with their pain, their inflammation. Sorry, I keep on wanting to say pain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, but dealing with their inflammation is going to help people who want to live the active lifestyles, right? And it's also going to be marketed to the next generation of naturalists, the people who don't want to use synthetic products to deal with their inflammation or to maintain a healthy, a healthy and active lifestyle for people who want all natural products, people who want all natural products in their foods, all natural ingredients in their foods, people who want to stay away from ASA and aspirin and things like ibuprofen. Again, mm-hmm. going back to my career as an athlete, I knew every day for four years um, while we were in season, six days a week, it would be two to four ibuprofen a day. If I had a healthier alternative to that, then that's something that I would be looking to use to not only support my performance, but to support my health as an athlete and post-athletic career. Yeah, no, I get it. It seems like a lot of applications. And so tell us a little bit about where you are in terms of the underlying technology, production process, branding, go-to-market. I mean, what's done, what's yet to be done? How is this process going for you? Again, so everything is about learning, taking things step by step, right? Getting inch by inch, mile by mile, right? And starting in March, we our organization had to completely go through a pivot where all the work that we had done to understand the full supply chain, we had to utilize it a different. And what we decided to focus on was what our go-to-market strategy would be for this ingredient, what our value proposition would be for this ingredient, and then understanding our target consumers. Right now, we want to set up our B2B channels. We're looking to sell this as an ingredient to companies that make topicals, edibles, functional foods, functional drinks, so on and so forth. And we will segment our rollout of how we sell to these different companies based on regulatory approvals. First, we have to learn about these companies, what their interests were, what their market caps were, who their competitors were, get into the mindset of our customers. Yeah. Then we had to figure out, okay, what regulatory requirements would we need to give to our, um, well, to Canada to be allowed these companies to be able to make the appropriate claims to market these products the right way. We know that the FDA is pushing back on CBD products and hemp products all the time because they don't like the claims that some people are making. There's a new CBD brand or a new CBD company popping up all the time. We wanted to make sure that we can give our not only our Canada brand, the competitive advantage of being something that would be accepted in the marketplace in Canada, the U.S., and ASA internationally, but our customers would feel safe incorporating this into their product so that they wouldn't have pushback. Not like um, if, um, I don't know what company I can use, but the best topical company in the world um, or the best, um, let's use Icy Hot for an example, because Icy Hot is the popular one because they have the Shaquille um, Mm O'Neal endorsement deal. I don't know Icy Hot. I don't know what they're doing or what their plans are. So I'm speaking all hypothetical here, right? 
but I would think that Icy Hot would be a little bit more nervous putting a CBD ingredient into their patches because they don't know what the FDA would say about CBD and the claims that you can make when it comes to pain and inflammation. So we want to be sure that all the claims and everything that we're saying about Canerta and our ingredient are valid so that when we get to the point of potentially making a sale to a company like Icy Hot or similar, they're not going to have any regulatory risk or any um, fear of the FDA recalling a product because of the claims that we're making or how we're marketing or so on and so forth. So right now where we are is we're in the process of getting all of our regulatory in line so we can enter the market in the fourth quarter of 2020 towards the first quarter of 2021. We're finishing up all of our branding, our logos. If you go on our website right now, what you'll see, actually see, and you'll still see it today, is you'll see all the other stuff that we were doing. We're working on a a complete website revamp that will be done by the time, actually by the time this website, this uh, podcast gets released, where you'll only see what we're doing with Canerta and how we're trying to get Canerta to to the market. And then we're starting to look at what kind of direct-to-consumer channels we can generate or what kind of direct-to-consumer products we can generate because or create because we know that we can sell this B2B as an ingredient and allow other companies to use this to continue to grow their market value but we also think that there's very specific channels that we can that we can control we have relationships with professional athletes influencers from university programs so on and so forth that if we create the right products again we get to keep that value proposition of our relationships ourselves we get to utilize that to enter the yeah. market ourselves so this That's is great, all the work that we're putting in yeah this is what we're currently putting in right now in preparation for a seed round that will only be about taking this product entering the market and using it as the catalyst to bring the hemp supply chain. Yeah, that's great. Akin, this has been a pleasure. Um, if people want to learn more about you, about the product, about the work that you're doing, what's mm-hmm. the best way to get that information? So the best way is we can go on our website, um, atlas365.ca, or we can send me an email at akeem, A-K-E-E-M, at atlas, A-T-L-A-S, 365.ca. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm learning to post more on LinkedIn um, <laughs> um, and share some of our news out there. I'm Again, I'm still learning how to juggle all of these different things. I think you told me this before, Bruce, it's about the transition from being a founder to a CEO. I think I'm mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle of there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because right now, my brain just focuses on what do we need to get done, but not necessarily sharing my news with the world or with the market. So now we're in the process of, um, on all of our social channels, on our website, uh, on our LinkedIn's, being able to share the news of what we're doing, all the value that we're adding, and sort of the benefits of educating the end consumer about our novel therapeutic, because we know that one of the big things that we have to do in today's day and age is educate the end consumer so that we get recognition of our brand when they whether they see it on someone else's product or a product that we make our own the consumer wants to know what they're taking why they're taking and why this why it's good for them and if we can yeah. do a good job at that then we then sky's the limit with where we can go from there yeah no that's perfect i'll make sure that the links and your information is in the show notes so people can click through and get that it's been a pleasure thanks for taking the time today i just love this um kind of that the hemp side of this and mm-hmm. you know where the canadian market is i think you guys are doing some really interesting work and i'm curious to see how things play out for you thank you very much bruce i appreciate you having me today You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud. 
with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.